Welcome to Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors, endless stories. Friends in Fiction is a podcast with five best-selling novelists whose common love of reading, writing, and independent bookstores bound them together with chats, author interviews, and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing. These friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Best-selling novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are five longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. At the start of the pandemic, they got together for a virtual happy hour to talk about their books, their favorite bookstores, writing, reading, and publishing in this new uncharted territory. They're still talking, and they've added fascinating discussions with other best-selling novelists. So join them live on their Friends and Fiction Facebook group page every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, or listen and view later at your leisure. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Friends and Fiction, our weekly Facebook Live show featuring author chats in support of independent bookstores. Our community of readers here on Friends and Fiction has grown to more than 16,000 members. How is that possible? And we could not be happier to welcome you here tonight. So let's get started. I'm Kristen Harmel, and my latest book is The Book of Lost Names. I'm Christy Woodson Harvey, and my latest book is Feels Like Falling. I'm Patty Callahan Henry, and my latest book is Becoming Mrs. Lewis. Hi, I'm Mary Alice Monroe, and my latest book is On Ocean Boulevard. And I'm Mary Kay Andrews, and my latest book is Hello Summer. And this is Friends and Fiction. We are so glad you're here. So tonight, as you can see, we have a new face among us, another wonderful special guest and a true friend to all of us. I am so happy to introduce all of you to Christina McMorris, the New York Times bestselling author of five novels, including Sold on a Monday, which has now sold more than 600,000 thousand copies. Prior to her writing career, Christina was a PR director and a host of weekly TV shows, starting with an Emmy award-winning program when she was just, you guys get this, nine years old. She also owned a wedding and event planning company. And so I'm assuming there's basically nothing she can't do and she'll be running for president maybe in 2024. Will we be watching you at an early convention in 2024? I'll vote. I'll vote for you. Thank you. You have my vote, Christina. <laughs> I can do YMCA dances like nobody <laughs> I feel like that's what it takes. So, all right, there we go. So before I tell you all more, I also have to tell you that Christina was initially supposed to be one of us. When we launched Friends in Fiction back in April, when we were still in our early planning stages, there were actually six of us, not five, and Christina was our sixth. She bowed out early because of her writing and family obligations, but I always feel like her spirit is very much with us. She is at her core a friends and fiction author, and she always will be. And though I feel like I've known Christina for ages, we actually did not meet in person for the first time until January, when I had a few days of scheduled events, along with Christy and Mary Alice in Southern California. 
So Christina was a part of those events too. And her parents own a beautiful house in San Diego. So despite the fact that we had never met, she emailed me last October <laughs> and invited me to stay with her during that trip, along with Christy and Mary Alice. I was floored by the kind offer and I wrote back to say I would love to, as long as I wasn't imposing. She wrote back all in caps, yay, slumber party. <laughs> and the moment I met her in person, I knew I had made a friend for life. She's kind, she's supportive, and she's a real genuine cheerleader for other authors. Plus, of course, she's an incredible writer in her own right. I get chills when I think about the fabulous book she's writing now, and I hope it's going to give us a hint about it tonight. So we are so glad to have her with us. Um, before we get rolling and let Christina get a word in edgewise, I wanted to remind you that every week we feature an independent bookseller. And this week, we're working with one of my very favorites, Copperfish Books in Punta Gorda, Florida. So Copperfish is one of Christina's favorite stores, too. And we decided to choose them after chatting with each other one day about books stores where we loved having events. The two owners of Copperfish, Serena and Kathy, are two of the kindest, most genuine people you will ever meet. And one of their booksellers, Jean Lewis, is also a wonderful book reviewer and advocate for authors throughout Southwest Florida. They have just built a welcoming, wonderful environment for authors and readers alike. And some of my favorite events over the years have been at Copperfish. So tonight, they will be giving us a discount on all of our new releases, 20% off of hardcovers and 10 percent off of paperbacks. And in addition, they will be giving away one of these unique friends in fiction koozies. <laughs> they say friends in fiction on them with each of the first 40 orders between now and Saturday. So if you want your soda cans or your beer cans to be wearing the very latest in high fashion, this is your chance. <laughs> Because as we all know, there's nothing worse than a naked soda. So you guys step up. You don't want your soda to be naked or wearing something that's just not stylish. It's just can't happen. So Christina, back to you. We are so thrilled to have you. Can you finally, now that I'm letting you speak, can you tell us a bit about what you've been up to during the pandemic? Welcome, yeah. welcome. Thank you. Oh, it's so good to see all you ladies again. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I thought, oh my gosh, it was, as they know, it was so hard to decide I wanted to be part of this group so much. And then I just, I was hitting the overwhelmed wall, as you all know, and, and deadline and children. And um, and now, so what we've been busy doing is surviving, yes, and um, and uh, trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with school, of course, is kind of the big thing. So so the kids are, uh, so it kind of took up a week of time uh, just recently, and, and the kids are now doing all, all ready to go for an online charter school that just seems fantastic. So, so I think we're all set there, which is, which is good news. So other than that, just, yeah, trying to get some words in on, on the new book every day. You know, it's, as we all know, it's a bit of a slog when, you know, it feels like the world is burning. I'm in Portland, so yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, burning. yes, yes. The world yes. is burning. Um, <laughs> Yeah, doing that and then kind of catching some some fun binge shows every once in a while as I'm, you know, working out and try to decompress and find something fun to do. So that's pretty much it. Well, cool. Yeah, every time I sit down to do yoga or work out in some way, not sit down, but try to work out, something else always seems to come up. So I'm having trouble with that. Every time I sit down to work out, I end up turning on the TV. It's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> So I, I've just been doing my wine lifts. I feel like that is probably yeah, excellent arms because of that. Yeah. Once you switch arms every once in a while, you know, you just don't oh, want to I, I do. I, I can do it with both. Yeah, equally well. Christina, so, did you have to join a completely different school to do the online curriculum? 
We did. We did. Yeah. So we joined um, Oregon Charter School and they've been doing on, that's all they do is online. So it's fantastic. Oh, I haven't heard that. That's interesting. It's been good. Yeah. And it's all included, you know, with tuition and everything else. It's the same. And then, and made it so we can transition back. We hope, we hope next year. We hope. Oh, that's good. Well, so usually this is the point where I would say, hey, everyone tell me about your week. But I have something that I think would be a little bit more interesting to talk about and that really outs us as sort of total dorks, at least myself. I, I will I will take that on my own shoulders. So I thought that tonight um, maybe uh, Christina, Christy, and Mary Alice might like to tell the story of how we formed a fictional girl band. I mean, it's called Mary Alice and the Christies, but I think we could make an exception for Patty and Mary Kay if they were willing to change their names, as Christy was saying. And obviously, we have the best names. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to judge because you have the wrong names to begin with, but, you know, whatever. So maybe we'll have a vote at the end and see if we can, you know, get you in there. But um, Christy, do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about Mary Ellis and the Christies? Well, I was just going to say, I mean, Mary Kay and Patty have both changed their names for books before. Yeah. <laughs> not a big deal. So why why not? Yeah, why not? But we hate but we hate coming from behind with a demerit already on the record. I'm gonna change my name to Kristen um Hannah. It's worked out really well for her. So that's that's it has, that's true. Good choice. I'm gonna be Christy Brinkley and see how that goes. <laughs> cool. uh, <laughs> right, we're done. So we're in. Who's playing? Who's singing? <laughs> we have um, what was your name? You have a special name, Kristen. Um, Mystica. Me, yes. Mystica. M Myst Mystica. So this all came, I believe, from something I brought up at a luncheon back in that January thing we were talking about, yeah. where I was saying that my my childhood aspiration for a brief period was to be a pop singer, and my pop singer name was going to be Mystica. So from yeah. that sprung this yeah. just fantastic girl band. So you guys, quickly, t tell the story, because I think it's funny how we came up with it. Well... I think I don't remember how we actually the name came together because obviously you guys were it was Christy, Christina, and Kristen. So Mary, I was the oddball. So Mary Alice and the Christies just happened. But I think if when we ever take this group on tour, we all have to kind of be like, move over, Stephen King. We can form our own band. We can do this too. <laughs> exactly. Except we can't it's, sing. We're playing instruments. So. Well. And <laughs> Teeny tiny but, details. Come but on. Kristen can write songs because when we got home, she wrote a song, a single, yes. and the Christies incorporating <laughs> all of our book titles. I believe it's on the Friends in Fiction Facebook page. Correct? I did put it up there today. Did yeah, it's, it's yay! Kind of I'm so glad. It's really yeah. It's it's, it's a good it's song. Wait, it's not me singing it though. I actually hired somebody to sing it, but it, it does have um. Our uh, our latest book titles hidden in the lyrics, not not very cleverly hidden, yeah. but just hidden. <laughs> I was very impressed when you did that. So that was our <laughs> launch you. launch song. I've already said I've already said that Patty and Mary Kay can be our go go dancers. So then they don't it's kind, of like a, kind of like the Studio Fifty Four thing. We'll bring it back and they get their own blocks, and you don't even have to change your names. And I'll give you tambourines if you okay, fair. Are, you're fair. good enough. It's I can do the triangle. Okay. Okay. No. No. That's not the real story. <laughs> 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 what? No, that's like a, a 
that's like a wind chime. Like what? <laughs> The tambourine, I was so, I was so sad when I found out that was my instrument. And then Christy said, I already, who, didn't you say I have the tambourine? It's oh yeah, that's my, that's my thing. Like, that's her instrument, Christina. Yeah. So I guess I'm on the keyboard. Yeah. Uh, there was a big New Year's Eve party here in downtown Portland years ago that you remember when, when you could get together with a thousand people you didn't know in one room. And, um, <laughs> It's crazy now. And I remember yeah. I was with my husband and a few other couples and th they had a band playing. And at one point, apparently they were looking for me and they couldn't find me. <laughs> and somebody said, I think your wife's up on stage. So I had joined the band with the tambourine because <laughs> <You're natural. laughs> my husband's like, oh, yeah, that figures. <laughs> All right. When you take our tour girls, we're going to, we're going to work yeah. this out. Yeah. Mary is going to be a, a a musical element, exactly. You're the only one that has musical talent. You can't. We can do it. I, I was a drummer in my high school marching band. So, well, there I mean, you go. we need a drummer. If you need someone to march a snare, I, I'm your girl. So. <laughs> <laughs> one, but two James Taylor songs on the guitar. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. It's, we'll play it's one of those great. songs. It's all I was, coming together. I, 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 I was mean, on the drill team, so I carried the pom poms in the band. You guys, what could go wrong? Go. What could go wrong? I mean, Billboard charts, here we come. <laughs> Mary Kay is just silent. She's just like, <laughs> she's like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, Mary Kay's skin goes dark. She's gone. All right, Christina. So when we have a guest on the show, we each love to ask the question. But before we dive in today, I would love to have you tell everyone out there watching about Sold on a Monday, your most recent novel. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, of course. I just happen to have a copy right here. <laughs> so, yeah, so Sold on a Monday is um, my last book. And uh, wow, touring feels like eons ago, same thing. And, um, and so I'm so fortunate, I feel like, that I got to do that when, uh, when we could still hug people that we didn't know. Um, so the quick gist is that it was inspired by, I'll close it up here, this, there we go, this photo. Um, which is pretty shocking. A lot of people have seen that online at different times about, you know, having a mom turned away from the camera, seemingly in shame and, and four kids on their own stoop in Chicago and a sign that reads four children for sale inquire within. Uh, so for obvious reasons that stopped me in my tracks and tried to understand why a mother would not just give up her kids, hopefully for their betterment, because you thought they'd live a better life without you, but actually ask for money in return. And that led me down a rabbit hole of the true story behind the photo, which, you know, we won't go into all of that because it go on and on, but pretty incredible story. Very quick gist is that um, the children, there were actually five total. Another one was born after the photo. That photo went essentially what we call today viral at the time, ran in 10, 11 states, lots of donations, job offers, everything coming in. Um, supposedly the mother turned it all down and, and there's a whole other story behind that, but Basic just as she wanted, uh, she had a new boyfriend. He didn't want her old kids. So she got rid of all of them. And the oldest one, Rayanne, and I became friends uh, after I wrote the book. And she's the one in the little white dress. And she's amazing. And uh, we got to meet for the first time on the Today Show a couple of years ago, which was incredible. Um, but her story is that a farmer came to the door, knocked on the door, and uh, asked to buy her and uh, for $2.00 wanted to use her as sl uh, slave labor, as farm labor. And her little brother started crying. He didn't want to be separated from his sissy. And so the farmer said, fine, we'll take him to for free. And she remembers her mother saying, and this is where it's 
not a compassionate story at all that I had hoped I would find, trying to understand how somebody could do this. She remembers her mother saying, great, I'm going to use the money to play bingo. So I thought, wow, okay, that's not the story I thought that maybe there's a good reason. Maybe you have a child sick at home and that's the only way you feed them. I mean, who knows all the reasons, because as we all know, especially today, we, we can all agree, I'm sure that information is coming at us very, very quickly. It's hard to keep up. And sometimes seeing a photo or a snippet of a headline or something, we can make a judgment on someone that, that without context could be very, very wrong. And so I thought, you know, in context, maybe this could be very different. And so that ended up inspiring Sold on a Monday because there was one mention in an article about that photo that said some family members claim the photo was staged. And when you look at the photo, the sign is so perfectly painted with reflective accent marks on the letters. It did make me wonder, since the kids weren't sold for two years after it was published, it made me wonder sort of the chicken and an egg and which one came first, um, but it still had the same result no matter what. And so that ended up inspiring Sold on a Monday. So the one or two sentence summary is that it's a reporter then that sees two kids on a farmhouse porch being offered for sale. And he takes a photo. It's not meant for publication, but it leads to his big break and yet has devastating consequences for a lot of people involved and has to see if it's too late to make it right. So it's kind of about unintended consequences, which I find fascinating. It's such a good book. Yeah, it's such a good book. And it's amazing that it's, um, you know, that so many people have discovered it and connected to it. It's, it's just been great to see how successful it is. Um, one of the questions we ask here every week is when you were growing up, what were your family's values around reading and writing? Can you tell us a little bit about that? We're just so interested in, you know, where, where all of our writer guests have kind of come from and become who they are today. Absolutely. So, gosh, it's so funny. I am probably so opposite of all of you. Um, reading was, it, I, I loved it as a kid. And then, and of course, my mom, you know, read to all of us. And all, so that was part of, um, of our childhood. I've got two younger sisters. So that was a big deal. But I remember reading the Sweet Valley High books, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and you know, Hello, God is Me, Margaret, and, you know, loving all of those. Um, but it really, past that, we were not a big reading family. I remember my dad is, is an immigrant from Kyoto. So I remember him, like, oh, this is so terrible. He probably is going to die that I'm sharing this. But he would, every time he went to the bathroom, <laughs> it was such a guy thing, right? To go read in the bathroom. He'd yeah. go read his Japanese samurai books. <laughs> like, oh, like, no. like, like a hundred of them. <laughs> it was like these little books. And 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 it was reading about the the uh, you know four we talk about our civil wars being so yeah. long right World War Two being so long and, and as as Mary Alice Fullwell knows about the Japanese history there's there their civil war I think was like four hundred years I mean it, like Japanese people are stubborn <laughs> <laughs> and they do and they do not forget so um, so be happy that you all steamed with me and you're all on my good side. <laughs> As far as we know, as far as we know, <laughs> as far yes. as we know, I'll tell you the truth later. You know, with Japanese people, let me tell you. <laughs> um, so that's what I remember. And what's funny is my mom, when I was in junior high, I think it was, she wrote a romance novel and she wrote all of it, except she always wanted to do that. And she wrote all of it, except the last chapter. And she just couldn't figure out how to end it or something. And then she put it away forever. And it wasn't until, what was it? 12 years ago or something that 
that I was barely a reader at the time, which I have done so much catching up, of course, since then, um, but always a movie buff. Love the art of storytelling in other forms. And I remember calling her, inspired by my grandparents' courtship letters from World War II, and saying, you know, I, I think I might write a novel about, you kind of inspired by grandma and grandpa's courtship, because they only met twice and fell in love through letters. And I thought, how beautiful. It's kind of like Cyrano de Bergerac set during World War II, if you didn't yes, know who was writing right. that. You know, it's like match.com of 1940. So I thought, <laughs> you don't quite know what you're going to get on that first date. And, um, and so I called her, I think I'm to write this novel. She said, oh, honey, which clearly irrational amount of faith in her children. Uh, she said, oh, honey, I think you should. Oh, so, and she ended up saying, I think, you know what? I have this book I never finished. I think I'm going to start over again and write wow. it again. So she ended up now she's a self-published author under Kaylin McFerrin and she is the R-rated one and I'm the <laughs> PG-13 girl. Mm -hmm. She's, she's That's a funny kid. thing to say about mama. <laughs> she's R-rated. Like, I don't want to know. There's no, I can read her intros and then I stop, you know, I'm like, I don't know how she knows awesome. about any of that. And she, well, she'll lecture me and go, Chris, you know, this is like, I love your book, but you always want them. It's 1940s. She's like, you always want them to like kiss, fade to black, smoke a cigarette. And I go, what's wrong with that? <laughs> she goes, but you're missing all the good stuff. We were talking about the whole art of writing love scenes and it's, um, Dip, more difficult for some of us. Yeah. It's true. And, and your mom is awesome. She, we, we all get to know her um, oh, like, that few days yes, in January. Too. Yes, yes. Yeah, like you, she can do everything and do it well. It's weird. Right. Something, something about your family. I don't know. But um, Patty, you had a great question for Christina. Hi, Christina. I'm so happy to see your face. I'm so tired of seeing still photos of people. And <laughs> so, you know, I'm so excited that you're writing an anthology. What would you call it? a collection? Not an anthology. What would you call it? A collection okay. oh, of stories? The yeah. new exciting book? That we the just one they just announced. Yeah. Oh, Susan and Oh, yeah, so excited. It's yeah. with um, two of my dear friends. You're writing with Susan Meisner and Ariel Lahan. Yeah. And it's a new historical fiction book. And so we'll be sharing a pub house, which is really fun because yeah. Lewis was with them. But um, as an ex-nurse, I don't know if you're ever an ex-nurse. Are you an ex-nurse? <laughs> as, as a nurse who used to have a license and no longer does, <laughs> um, I'm fascinated by the premise. So I want you to tell all of us about Number one, about the story, not too much, because I know it's far away, but how you feel about working with three people collaborating. Now, the five of us collaborate on this show, but that's way different than writing a story together. I mean, trying to juggle three people, I can just this much juggle my own life. So I'm just, <laughs> I want to hear about it. Um, we are so excited and you were so helpful because right away, Ariel reached out to Patty and said, Patty, what do you think? You know, and she said, oh my gosh, they're wonderful. And the publisher had reached out to us and asked if the three of us would write a book together. And, and the funny thing is, you know, it's, it's, I call them those books, you know, I, I've done a similar one before an anthology with uh, 10 authors total, including some of the people you've had on the show, like Kristen Hanna and whatnot. And, um, and it was like Grand Central and it all took place on the same day at Grand Central Terminal and all ran in chronological order, but they were kind of like long short stories they were novelettes and um and this time so I thought oh this is fun and again it's kind of like Ocean's Eleven you know is what I call them it's like you get to work with your friends and they pay you you know <laughs> 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 it's, it's all about how we 
gets all up for the premiere, you know, who cares about the story? Um, <laughs> so in this case, it was, it was three of us, which is much more manageable than herding cats of 10. Um, and we immediately said, yes, of course, and had to figure out they wanted historical, but we weren't, uh, but really left it open-ended for us. And so we, they had said, we'd love World War II, of course, because, you know, everybody loves World War II. And so do we. And so we ended up coming across, yeah, this, uh, this idea. I think Susan found it first and then Ariel immediately found a documentary. It all came together, our entire story, within two days. Wow. wow. Oh my gosh. It was, it was like it just, as soon as we said yes to it and watched a 20-minute documentary, all of a sudden I took notes. It took me like an hour and a half because I kept stopping it, rewinding it, you know, and trying to catch what he's saying. And immediately I said, oh my gosh, there's three kinds of nurses here. Um, there's army nurse, Navy nurse, and the Filipina nurses. And so it made sense. And so what it is, is it's called, as of now, it's called Band of Angels, um, which I always start singing, you know, like, what is it? Um, Sweet Chariot in my head, <laughs> you know, the Band of Angels. Um, and, and what they are, of course, is that the nurses in World War II were called angels. They, that's what the soldiers nicknamed them because they were so incredible. And what they went through in the Philippines the day after uh, Pearl Harbor's attack, of course, you don't hear much about dis- that being December 7th, December 8th, they started attacking the Philippines and had sort of that same thing. And there were so many Americans that were stationed there, including, including nurses, just like how we think of uh, Pearl Harbor. So what happened during the occupation and the battles and everything else is, is what we're covering. And the stories are just incredible. It like, gives us chills when we hear about what they went through. And there's not many people that know much about what it is they endured. Um, they were incredibly brave and they all survived. It, it's miraculous that they all survived. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so what we're, how we're writing it is different than Grand Central in that we are writing it as a novel, but it's sort oh. of hybrid between uh, an anthology and a novel in that we each have our section, but all of our characters are in every section. So, but the point of view changes and we essentially hand off the baton. So it's kind of like a Pony Express and the next person takes it and sort of takes the two of the three characters and does those two. And then the next person takes it with solo, but then joins back with all three. So we had our summary done within a week. It just flowed. It was so exciting. That's amazing. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about the subject. I'm excited that it's the three of you. I'm just, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. I haven't since I heard about it. So. Yay, we already sold one book. I'm so excited. There we go. <laughs> well, she'll probably get a free copy. So yeah, I know. I, I was like, do I don't think she said she was buying it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so true. She's like, wow, I really I was excited. Sent me a galley, you know. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. So what did he buy? Free. <laughs> I don't get a galley. <laughs> so, so you're actually essentially five free books down. So you're gonna sell from here. <laughs> email you all okay i'm not even paying for postage at this point that sounds wonderful um christy did you want to ask your question you know what if it's okay i'm gonna go last because she sort of covered the question i was planning to ask already but i have a million questions i could ask but i don't know when these two lovelies are gonna ask so i'll go last all right okay okay perfect mary Kay, do you want to go next yeah um aside from being an incredible writer i understand that you have a background in television can you tell us how you got started as a television host at the age of nine? <laughs> and, you know, if this gig doesn't work out, will you go back to TV? 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so I will say that, okay, this is great. So just like writing, it was not something I, I planned on. Um, I, I, not at, at three years old, I did not sit there in my high chair going, I really want to be on television. <laughs> Um, what happened was my mom, which you will all laugh at now, of course, is that my mom thought I was too shy. <laughs> Clearly, I had gotten over that problem. Um, and now she's regretting it all, I'm sure. So what happened was she thought, well, I'll put her in one of those uh, six-week modeling acting classes. Do you remember those that were like, really huh? popular? Yeah. Like the 80s? Yes. And so I, for two hours every Saturday for six weeks, 12 hours total, you get a certificate that says, yay, I'm ready for Hollywood. Because <laughs> 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 that's all it takes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so finished. And then at the end, they said, by the way, if you want to, it's a really good experience if you want to go and try out at this audition at um, ABC's affiliate station in Portland. They have a new kids show. It's kind of like a kids PM magazine, um, Entertainment Tonight. If you want to go there and, and they'll host and they'll interview fun people, that bands that come through town. Well, it sounded fun. I could, you know, I could interview Mystica. You know, she comes through. <laughs> so I said, yes, of course. And, you know, we thought, oh, good experience. So I showed up there. And the funny thing is, they paired me up with this little boy, like nine years old, who clearly he had had like hundreds of auditions in his very short life. He was not happy about being paired with a newbie. So I remember he asked, you know, how many auditions have you had? <laughs> I said, this is my first. And he's like, oh no. <laughs> so we go in, we're supposed to run into the studio and jump on our chairs and we're supposed to read the teleprompter. And I'm supposed to say, Hi, I'm so sorry we're late. I'm Christina. Welcome to Popcorn, because that's the name of the show. So they cue us, we run, and I jump on my chair, which they have not told us are on rollers. <laughs> <laughs> so I fly. <laughs> like, it's like broadcast news. Like, I fly one way, my chair flies the other. You know the boy's horrified, right? <laughs> and I crawl back onto my chair, and I deliver my lines through my laughter, and when we left, I remember my mom saying, so how did it go? <laughs> I was like, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you in the car. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. Oh my gosh. I'm like, hurry, run, run, run to the car. And producer runs out and introduces herself and thought it was hilarious. And somehow um, she ended up, I got the job. So I, I hosted that show for six years from nine to and grew up literally in a news station, which is why, of course, you know, the reporter's point of view for Solo the Monday resonated with me because I thought I, I knew what that news station was like. I remember being friends growing up with, you know, the weatherman who would let me take the special pen and move the clouds around. You know, that was, like, <laughs> that was quite a childhood. Experience. Your memoir is going to be very interesting. Right. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Mary Alice, do you want to um, ask your question? Sure. Well, you told us about your collaboration, which I am just all amazement about with Susan and uh, Ariel. I just, I, I, I understand how to do anthologies, but I, to write with someone throughout the novel is an experience I've never had. But I'm really curious about what your next Christina McMorris novel is because Sold on a Monday was so successful. And the question is, what are you doing next? But also when you have a book as successful as your last one, does it um, does it give you that pause about, oh, my, what can I do next? Or do you just ignore it and zip right in? So tell us about your next book. I should be asking all of you that <laughs> because all your books are successful. Um, 
and yeah, I, it, it's a little bit daunting, but I, the thing that's saving me from not freaking out is that I am, I'm more excited about this book than what I'm working on than I've ever been about any book, except oh, maybe, that's a good sign. Except maybe the first one, you know, where you just, cause it's the labor of love and you know, it's the letter to my grandparents sort of generation. Um, this one is just, there's as, as Christy, uh, as Kristen was just saying that we already talked about it and I get so excited that I want to share everything. Um, but so I, I'm working on that and, and hopefully <laughs> I, I thought the sold on a Monday, um, I had that last second anxiety that hopefully I'm not alone here that yeah. right before it comes out and you think, Oh my gosh, that was a mistake. I yep. shouldn't have done it. I should have just written from the kid's point of view. I should have done what the trend was showing that, you know, I'll write the next book as fast as possible and we'll all forget it ever happened. Okay. Um, so the running joke in our house is that I'm so excited about the current book that it's doomed to fail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way, That's, I'm not way funny, That's not funny. <laughs> I know. I, I got to put out the universe that it's, it's, it's not it's true, great. but it's it great. is a little funny. <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny no. So yeah, so I'm working on that. And also, um, and what I'll tell you about that one, I will, the only thing I can say right now, which, but I cannot yeah. wait to hear more. It's supposed to come out next August. If you know, like we said, if the world doesn't burn down, um, is that I found this nugget of history from world war two that I always say I wouldn't write the same year again, unless I find something that I've never seen before. And it is a secret branch of British intelligence that I had never heard of before. And I've shared with other historical friends and they'd never heard of it before. Um, and they were so specialized in what they did that they were kept classified and disbanded right after the war so that they could keep some of the tactics they used completely secret and classified until the 1980s because wow. they, thought they might have to use them during the Cold War. So some of the tactics they used are things that you all grew up with as children and you have no idea and you're still using them and you have no idea they used them the way they did. So you just so. like put out the fishing rod and, <laughs> exactly. and really yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's it. So and this is what I go and subscribe down below. No. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-order. Uh yeah. So that's it. And then also my sister, which Mary Alice, I showed you like the PDF as we were driving to an event in February. Um, you were so sweet to look through this picture book. My sister and I did, Amanda Yoshida is an amazing artist. And we find we paired up and decided children's picture books together, something we've we've talked about doing for years. And we sold two books. And so Hopefully that will come out, you know, someday, uh, supposed to, I think next year, um, but we'll see how it goes with the world. My darling, we have similar schedules because we both have a novel. Some I have an anthology, you have your collaboration and a children's book all coming out next year. Oh my gosh. So we'll have to call each other and see if we're still alive by the end of the year. I was going to say, you don't really have anything on your plates, you guys. Step it up. Come on. <laughs> Stop being so lazy. <laughs> this is why we don't sleep. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. This Chris, is why I'm behind. Right, exactly. Christy, do you want to ask your question now? Yes, I'll ask a really quick one. Okay. Um, I was going to ask you about, you know, your family and what inspired you to start writing, which you covered a little bit. I love the story about your grandparents, but um, I'm always interested in this. If you weren't writing, what do you think you would be doing as a career? Oh, goodness. Oh, so, you know, before this, I loved what I did before I started writing, which was event planning. And I know that that is so uh, young. I'm forgetting that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So, um, and I loved hosting TV shows. I, you know, after the kids show, I then took a break from all of that. Never thought I'd do it again. And then hosted, uh, got pulled back in because I was, uh, I owned a wedding and event planning company. Then, like I said, I did set 14 weddings a summer. So I never need to see another chicken dance for the rest of my life. People, um, uh, it was quite an experience. You know, you just go, I could write. And the joke was sitting there with the vendors who I became good friends with. And we'd sit there and go, we really should write a book. We should say all the things that go wrong, but then how you do them right. You know, so you'd have these funny anecdotes. And that was the running joke that someday I would write this book, um, which maybe it should be a novel, you know, at some point. Yeah, so I'd like to read that one. I think it'd be hysterical. Oh, people. Oh, the stories. That some, we will Zoom later and I will tell right. you the story. <laughs> So that'll be the after hours. Yeah, you have to pay. <laughs> People have to pay for that hey, one. Listen, that right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. so I, I probably do that again. I I love doing event planning, not weddings as much. Event planning though, like I would do five hundred person events that were full costume and bring in like oh. the blazer dancers and um and some of the globe trotters like Meadowlark women came and it was so much fun. I loved it. So yeah, that's probably what I would have kept doing. If I didn't do this. Oh, gosh, that's so different than saying I want to be a fill in the blank. That you've got it all planned out. I get to be home, you know, with the kids and, and yeah. that is not something you get to, your weekends are gone, you know, Thursday yeah. through yeah. Sunday and it is long hours, you know, it's just set up and clean up. So it's been it's been wonderful to be home with the kids at their age and to be home every day when they come home from school. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So I assume then when we take Mary Alice and the Christie's out on the road, you'll be the one planning our tour and like <laughs> coordinating our two go-go dancers and everything. No, yeah. I, I used to be a dancer. I'm going to, I'm going to coordinate their dance. <laughs> but my, my first change though, is I kind of leaning toward the Christie's and Mary Alice. I don't know. It's just an idea. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm on board with that. I quit. I quit. <laughs> And we, have, we come to Beaufort. We have a former Harlem Globetrotter that lives here, and he's amazing. Oh. So we can have him come. Nice. Well, fantastic. Done. I mean, I, I don't know what's stopping us, you guys. Well, oh, yes, COVID. I forgot. So, um, <laughs> that too. So, so, so all of you out there, do you not love Christina just as much as we do? I mean, she's fantastic. I, I wish I wish you were here with us every week. Um, so let me take a quick break to remind all of you, this is our little commercial break, to remind all of you about our bookseller of the week, Copperfish, a real favorite of many of us. So the owners are just so good and so kind, and it truly does come across in everything they do. They're exactly the kind of, the, just the type of people that we all want to be supporting right now, you know, at a time like this with everything going on. And as a reminder, they are offering a great discount on the new releases from each of us, 10% on paperbacks and 20% on hardcovers. Plus, you get the chance to win one of these fantastic koozies, which my light is messing it up, but these Friends in Fiction koozies um, for the first 40 people who order. Um, and of course, the link is on our Friends in Fiction page under announcements. And the books include Christina's Sold on a Monday, Mary Alice's On Ocean Boulevard, Christie's Feels Like Falling, Patty's Becoming Mrs. Lewis, Mary 
Hayes, Hello Summer, and my new novel, The Book of Lost Names. And as always, each book you buy at an independent bookstore is a good deed. You are helping to keep the literary community thriving, plus you get to read amazing books. So it's a win-win. And this week, with the addition of this stylish koozie, it's a win-win-win. So what are you waiting for? <laughs> so now the four of us had a chance to ask Christina some questions, and now we would love to let you do the same. And I was actually thinking that both of the pre um, the pre-chosen reader questions, Christina touched on a little bit already, but I think there's still enough there that she can answer. So I think we'll still go ahead and ask them. And while we are talking, if you have something you would like to ask out there, just post it below the video. And Christy's going to be pulling questions. She's watching. She's ready for your questions. So just post them there and we'll pull them live. So Mary Alice, um, while people are getting their questions in, would you like to ask I the will. first reader question? It's from Diana Condor, and she says, were your grandparents still alive when your book Letters from Home came out? And can you tell us a bit about how that book came about? Well, you started to tell us that, but answer the first part, too. I don't know that. Were they alive? Yeah, yeah. And my grandmother is still alive. She's like 94 years old, lives in the Hood Canal in Washington. She is a spitfire. She cooks like nobody's business. Um, so how that, and my grandfather passed away, gosh, I'm, I'm terrible at the numbers now. I want to say maybe it's about 30 years ago, um, but he and I were very, very close. He was the funniest person. He's dark Irish. So, you know, his stories got better every time he told them. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm bigger and longer and funnier, um, you know, but, you know, he had hilarious jokes that half of which you cannot tell at cocktail parties anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I will share this because I, I may have shared this with you all before, but, um, uh, but he had, this is my favorite thing about him was, you know, we called him Papa. He had a tattoo on his forearm that he got when he was 17 years old when he volunteered for the Navy right after Pearl Harbor and got special permission to do that at 17 years old, which just sounds insane to me now, and having a, a son who's almost 17. Um, and they went out and did what American sailors did, which was drink a little bit too much alcohol, and in the morning woke up with a bandage covering his entire forearm. <laughs> no. Which is not from an injury. It is from a tattoo that you don't oh, know God. what is under the gauze. <laughs> Oh, he didn't know. <laughs> imagine the terror as you're taking it off going, oh, Lord. And luckily, she was clothed. Future <laughs> 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 generations, for grandchildren, it was good. It was better at the Thanksgiving dinner table that she had clothes on. So uh, she was like a little Navy sailor girl. She was so cute. Looked like the Cracker Jack, sort of had the bell yeah, on Hat and hands on her hips and the best part about her he called her his girlfriend apparently back then and when I knew him he called her grandma and so when he moved his knuckles he could make her wiggle and dance yeah this is not by the way an encouragement do not children do not do this <laughs> don't follow any of this story Cautionary. That's a great answer. Perfect answer. <laughs> yeah, did that. And when I call him, because it was an old tattoo at that point, it's a Papa House grandma doing, and his answer was always the same. He said, well, her boobs are drooping, but she can still dance. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that is how that book came about. And as far as, you know, sharing the letters, because I was creating a self-published, at King Goes, um, cookbook full of my grandma's favorite recipes. 
Mm-hmm. And it was a Christmas present for the grandkids and threw a biographical section about her life in it and interviewed her. And that's how the letters came about. That's how we even knew she had them. That's when we asked grandma, why didn't you share this before? And of course her answer as they all are at the greatest generation was, well, nobody ever asked. So <laughs> of course, you know, so kind of fed that into the story and thinking it'd make a really good movie. You know, I always tell people it was like the notebook meets Saving Private Ryan, you know. <laughs> and then I got, I was hormonal with my second child and pregnant. And I'm like, you know, if I'm creating life, a book didn't seem that hard. So, <laughs> you know, so stupid. But luckily, I'm so glad I was that blissfully ignorant. So that's how it came to be. Oh, great answer. What a great story. Oh, that's amazing. Um, Mary Kay, did you want to ask the next reader question? Yeah, Anissa Joy Armstrong is excited that you're going to write uh, children's books with your sister. And she wants to know what the books will be about and um, when they'll be published. So we are waiting for um, the, because of pandemic craziness, waiting for dates um, but we, it, they're, the first one's almost completely done. I've done my work. I, I love, oh my goodness, you guys, to be an author of a children's picture book when you can edit the whole thing in 20 minutes. <laughs> done. Copy edits. You're like, I have five minutes. I can bust through those copy edits. That's amazing. Yeah. And you it over to the, the illustrator and you're like, good luck to you. <laughs> That's right. Is your sister the illustrator? She is. Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. Her name's Amanda Yoshida and she almost worked at DreamWorks, but then decided to, she was in final interviews and everything else. So she's that good. And, um, she, but she really wanted to be back in Portland and she was one, you know, they were settling down with the family and, and wanted to be closer to home than, than down in LA. So, so yeah. we get to have her close by and she gets this, she's been dreaming of doing this since she was, I want to say two or three years old, wow. they would ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember everybody's answer at three years old was, you know, I want to be a princess. You know, I want to be, no, no. I want to be a wonder woman. And she was like, I want to be a children's book illustrator. <laughs> wow. Oh, single-minded. Can you give us a hint about what the first book is about? Yeah. So the first one, um, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about both of them, but I can say the first one right now is called, um, Oh gosh, what is it now? My brain is so pandemic fried. Um, it's if Ellie Mae could be anything. And essentially it is about this little girl who has anxiety about trying to pick what she wants, making choices. Right. Um, I still have that. So yeah. Hopefully it will help me along. Um, and so she has to pick what she wants to be when she grows up for school. We all know that, that, uh, that assignment very well. But the twist of the story is that she, because she can't choose, she does mashups. So she will end up deciding that the moon is made of cheese is what she's heard. So why not be, instead of just a chef, she's going to be the very first astronaut chef because all these aliens have fly-throughs and what are they going to eat for dinner? So she creates all these mashup careers and puts them all together. And it's so cute and fun. And the, the illustrations are fantastic. Oh, yeah, I can't wait for it. That sounds so great. And how cool that you're doing something so different and, and making it such a family thing. That's so cool. Um, Christy, were, did you have a chance to pull a couple reader questions? Absolutely. Um, the first one, I love this. I think this is sort of for all of us. Um, from Heidi Jean Angle, have you ever been drawn to a story that you just couldn't write? So, Christina, do you want to? Wow. Ooh. You're going to make me answer that first? Um <laughs> 
Oh, that's a part of being a guest, Christina. You're not the host anymore, my friend. I mean, <laughs> you're at our mercy. You are the moderator. You're like, you answer first. This is not porn. Uh, I mean, <laughs> so that's a really, you know, all the questions that we've all been asked, I have never been asked that before. I know that's, that's a great one. Yeah, that is a great question. Oh, yeah, I'll be prepared next time. Um, you know, I. I will say, yeah, um, absolutely. I think that I've come across story ideas that were historical that I think, oh my gosh, this could be such a good story, but it didn't feel big enough for a novel. So I think that's where I could write it as a short story. Um, that was one where like in Grand Central, I wrote about the female pilots, the Wasp of World War II, and their stories were incredible uh, what they did. And it got so little recognition that, but I didn't at the time, I'm sure if I had enough other elements I could make into a novel, but at the time I felt like, you know what, this is perfect for maybe a smaller story, but those are what, but I held off for quite some time because I didn't know that that would be a full novel. Um, and even my current one, the story ideas I was drawn to for the one I'm working on with British intelligence, I had those ideas in my files for probably eight years. Wow. I just didn't put them together. I never, I didn't think that each one of them alone was a novel. Um, and suddenly one night I realized they were all one book. And all of a sudden I had like almost a whole novel in my head by the end of the night. So, so that's one thing that I think that I could speak to. And I'm sure there's other ideas I've come across. Yeah. Anytime that I click on the clickbait that says 50, the most shocking historical photos you have never seen. <laughs> yeah. like, lots of stories that I go, yeah, but it can't be a full novel yet. So yes. Patty, what about you? I have, there's, um, there's one story that I've tried to write probably 10 times. Um, I was going to write it as a young adult and then I was going to write it as a historical. Then I was going to write it as a dual timeline. Then I was going to write it as a biographical historical. I've picked it up, put it down, picked it up, put it down. And at the present moment, I'm in the put it down phase. (laughs) Yeah. But, but also like you, Christina, for example, the, um, Florence Nightingale, I researched her for about a year. When I was in London, I visited the Florence Nightingale Museum and decided instead that what I wanted to do with it, even though you could write a trilogy about her, was that I wanted to write a novella about her. So it's a audible original. So that It's not out till this fall, but yeah, there's certain stories you look at side-eye, then you face them head on, then you turn away again, and then you face them head on, and then you turn away again, so... I remember there was a book that I wanted to, it was when I was writing Sweetgrass and we've been studying about the Gullah women and and that traditional art that's a Southern art of making the baskets. And I really, really wanted to tell the story from the viewpoint of the sower, the basket weaver herself. And this was, my gosh, eight years ago or something. But I really felt at that time, what I think is a big topic in the literary world right now, that this story should be told by a Gullah woman herself or a woman from that history. And so I never, I still told the story Sweetgrass, but it was a completely different novel. But just taking that rich tradition that's 300 years from slavery to today, that should be written by someone from that culture, I always felt. And um, I wanted to write it, but I just felt I couldn't, you know? Mary Kay, what about you? You know, I have had ideas to do stories that were a little bit too close and too autobiographical. Mm, And I back away from that. It's like when everyone else is dead, then I'll tell that story. (laughs) (laughs) 
then I've had an idea, Patty and I batted around a few times, um, to do another uh, romantic comedy, which um, I've, I've done some romantic comedy like Hissy Fit and um, Save the Date, um, kind of wondering if I should go back in that direction. So I, I've had a little idea noodling around in my head, and uh, it's sort of a modern day take on Annie Mame. Wow. Wow. Interesting. So, I don't know if I'll ever do it, but... <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah. Um, how about how about you, Christy? Oh, um, yeah. I actually, I have. I wouldn't say that I can't write it. I'm just not going to write it yet. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a while. Um, but there was a story that sort of came to me. It was so strange. I was at this big dinner party one night and I was like at one end of the table and Will was like way at the other end of the table. And it was one of those great dinner parties where like everyone's talking and someone told this story and it was about, um, this woman who's kind of a hero of mine. And, and he is, um, I'm, he's probably in his late eighties and he had met her and he was telling me the story about her. And it was just a lightning strike for me. Like, Oh my gosh. And my husband looked at me from the end of the table and he was like, that's a sign. Like you have to write that story. Um, and I thought, Oh, I'm sure people have written this and no one had. And I called the library at UNC the next day and they were like, Oh yeah, we have 800 of her personal letters. If you would like us to help you make some copies. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So it's something <laughs> I would love to do, but I don't think this is the moment in my life to really yeah. devote that kind of time. Because as you know, who write historical novels, I mean, that is a tremendous kind of undertaking that I don't feel really yeah. prepared for, but I hope that I hope that no one writes it in the meantime. Every time I'll and I'll be like, who's checked out those letters? <laughs> it's true, you do. I checked like, every file folder in, when I was writing about Joy. Who checked it out? What are the names? Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll just go look at them and I'll be like, somebody else signed this folder out. And they're like, it's yeah. just us. We were reorganized. Oh this is such a future like thriller story right here. This I was just like, thinking that. <laughs> I'm thinking like you find out all these murders them. they all checked out books of stories that Patty Kelly Henry was going to write about. <laughs> That's Chris amazing. Chris and and uh, obviously the guy one. at the dinner party. Yeah, exactly. Uh, obviously the guy at the dinner party has to go because he heaven forbid he mentioned it to somebody else and give yeah, them the same idea. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Now, you checked out the letters. Gotta go. <laughs> Gotta go. Too bad. Exactly. We're ruthless around here. <laughs> fall, down the, fall down the stairs. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Unfortunate. So, Christina, on, I mean, we we can we can plot the uh, the forthcoming deaths later. But for now, um, on every Friends and Fiction episode, we try to give a writing tip for all the aspiring writers out there. So tonight, we thought that they might want to hear those words of wisdom from you. Do you have a short tip for people thinking about trying to write a novel? <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and and certainly don't do it by trying to access Christie's letters because that's a <laughs> recipe for disaster. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. Yeah. So no, oh my gosh. Uh, besides wine always is helpful. Um <laughs> so I, I thought about it when you asked me if I was gonna do a tip and I thought, oh, you know, I especially during the tour, I was talking to a lot of high schools and colleges and, and writing students. And, and I know we all have our favorite tips to give. And, and one of the ones that I thought, you know, that maybe isn't talked about a lot that I thought I'd mention, and I even, I did even a little, a little printout. I'm so prepared. Um, uh, so, and I, and I'll, I'll explain this and I'll tell you. So what it is, is um, have you all taken like a workshop at one point from Michael, Michael Haig? 
who does like the three app structure, right? He's wonderful. He's he book. Yeah. Right. And he used to go to conferences, writer conferences and whatnot. And he kind of teaches how to take the movie structure and turn it into novel, how to apply it to novels. And it was fascinating because I'm such a movie buff. Um, and he would talk about, so what I'll share is one of the tips I loved that stuck with me was he said, if you watch a movie, the first five minutes, almost always they will establish something about the character, the main character to root for. And it doesn't even mean you have to like them, but they said, put them in some kind of small or big conflict, even if it's tiny, that shows you who they are. Because of course, as we all know, the character comes out their traits, right? When they're in conflict. Mm -hmm. And so I, when you watch a movie in the first five minutes, I found that fascinating. They immediately, they show you something that reveals a character trait that we can root for. Yes. And, and that endears us to them in some way. It doesn't have to be likable. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And mm -hmm. so when I, when I teach the kids and, you know, what's my favorite tips, some of the, the traits are like being smart, funny, witty, compassionate, and also exceptionally skilled. I thought that was interesting. Just if you show like a Steve Jobs, somebody who's just really smart and good at their job, um, and not necessarily the most likable, you know, it's how they portray them in movies, um, powerful, courageous, moral, and I love this one, undeserving of an injustice, because that's something so universal that we can all relate to that. We all at some point in our lives have felt that we have been treated unfairly, that we didn't get what we deserved, you know, or we got something uh, negative that we didn't deserve. And I thought that is so fascinating. So the way that I teach it when I talk to the kids is to think of the Avengers. Yeah, that's awesome. They basically represent anything like that. So the way that how skilled they are, how funny they are, you know, and you've got like the Hulk, right? Who destroys things. It was really like pretty horrible in a lot of ways. You couldn't control him, but he was funny and so, and strong. And so we kind of admire that and cheer for even some of the villains like Loki or something, you know, we don't want him to die, even though he's terrible because he's yeah. funny. And so I thought that was really interesting. And I've tried to apply that to all my stories uh -huh. now. That's what great. A great tip. That's a great idea. Thank you. And also, um, Michael Haig's book is really good for any young writers out there. Cool. So, ladies, we are running super short on time, so we want to try to get through the last little bit of this pretty quickly. Okay. But, um, Patty and um, and Mary Kay, I know you both had a book you wanted to recommend tonight. Could you want to give us a quick recommendation? Yeah. Oh, um, Pat, okay, Patty, okay. yeah. I've got a uh, debut novel. It's by Kim Powers, the rules for being dead. Uh, <laughs> and it's based on, it's based on a piece he wrote about his mother's death when he was quite young. And it, he was told that his mother died of a, of a brain aneurysm. And later he came to find out through stories, he came to believe maybe it was suicide. Maybe his father killed his mother. So oh, this, he turned it into a novel and it's oh. uh, rules for being dead. Kim Powers. Fascinating. That sounds great. This had a novel coming out next week called The Unraveling, the, Un the Unraveling of Cassidy Holmes. And one of my favorite novels last year was um, Daisy Jones and the Six. Yeah. Well, so this is very much in the vein of Daisy Jones and the Six. It's like I said, debut and approach the dark side of fame for a pop star who ends her own life. And it's told from multiple perspectives. And it's kind of a behind the scenes look just like Daisy Jones was, of the pop scene and the music scene. And it is by Alyssa L. Sloan. And it comes, it's a debut. So I'm really excited for that book. It sounds interesting. Thank you for the yeah. great recommendation. Patty, um, while we have you, do you want to tell us a little bit about next week? You're going to be hosting next week. Well, you have me, as if I'm going anywhere. <laughs> Bye, I'm done. <laughs> Peace out. Um, 
We have a really exciting week next week with the four of us. And Christina, you're welcome to, with the, uh, the other four, me and the five of us. And you can come back. Um, eliminated. I know. I mean, the other four and the five of us. I know we celebrate our successes on here, but um, that might give everyone the impression that we don't have any failures when we do every day and we struggle. And I just thought it might be really interesting next week to talk a bit about writing and staying in the arena and perseverance and doubt and failure because we celebrate our successes here and cheer them. But I, I thought we'd talk about that. And then we have an exciting addition to tell you about because we're going to start doing once a month something called Behind the Book bonus episode. So next Sunday, not in three days, but the following one, we will have Rachel McMillan, who is an author, an avid reader, and also an agent. She wears all those hats better than I wear my one hat. And her new book, London Restoration, came out yesterday. It's like your book, Kristen, climbing the charts in Canada. She's a Canadian author. And so you'll love meeting her. So that's what we got coming up next week. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I'm so excited for that. That's going to be wonderful. Mary Alice, do you want to tell us quickly um, what the book club's up to this month? Yes, well, we we have a Friends in Fiction book club, everybody, and it's really wonderful, and I think we have over 2,000 members already, so I hope some of you, more of you will come and join. And on September 14th, they're going to be discussing my book, and I'm very excited, on Ocean Boulevard. So you have time to read the book, which I hope you will, and we'll talk about it and discuss it, and it's a really wonderful program, and I thank the people who organize it. So we will post it up on our Friends and Fiction page, and that's the Friends and Fiction Book Club. So please join us. Absolutely. Thanks, Mary Alice. Uh, Mary Kay, do you want to give us an idea of how our fall schedule is shaping up? It's amazing, amazing. We've got Etop Rum on September 2nd, and then Emily Giffen, our friend, on September 9th, and our friend Sydney Pipe on Sydney, Sydney Pike on September 16th and Kathy Reichs on September 30th. And we're also, as, as we mentioned earlier, we'll be doing a few bonus episodes on Sundays this fall. So stay tuned for news about those. And we're going to be posting the full fall schedule soon. And you all are going to be so excited. So watch yeah. out yeah. for that in our newsletter uh, on friendsandfiction.com. Perfect. I love Thank the you. newsletter. I think that it's, we're getting interviews with all of us and little yeah. tidbits and the calendar. It's turned out really well. It's great. Sign up. Absolutely. Sign up for it. Absolutely. And Christy, do you want to uh, give us one more reminder about the bookstore of the week? Absolutely. So big shout out to Kathy and Serena at Copperfish yes. Books. We absolutely love them. If you go to our Friends in Fiction Facebook group page right now. You'll find the link for their Friends in Fiction sale page, which includes 20% off hardcovers, 10% off paperbacks. Plus, you'll get a super cool Friends in Fiction koozie. Mine didn't come in today, so I can't hold them. No, I can't <laughs> well, we'll just I do can a hardly wait. So Patty and Kristen are a little bit braggy, but it's fine. Like, don't worry about their koozies. Um, <laughs> but if you're one of the first 40 to place an order, you'll get one of those koozies. No code required. Just click the link. Perfect. 
Thank you guys so much. Uh, what a wonderful night. Christina, it was so nice to have you with us and we oh, hope you'll come back soon. I know you're you're totally one of us. And obviously, I mean, just from, look, we've gone over an hour. It's just because it was so much fun talking to you. Um, so to all of you out there, please do join us on the Friends and Fiction page to ask us your questions and interact with other readers. And please also join us next week when Patty will be hosting that episode she mentioned that features the five of us. Um, these are the episodes where you get to really pick our brains and get to know us better. So we hope you'll join us again. So thank you again, Christina. And to all of you out there, thank you for spending some time with us tonight. We are friends in fiction, and that's a wrap. Good night. Sayonara, Christina. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Christina. Bye. 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 Oh, you guys, how great was she? I love her. Just love her. Great right, ladies. I have some little tidbit to add, something really a little surprise or a joke or something to keep things she's just uh, uh, fabulous she is and i'm sorry i let that go so long i i know that was my responsibility to kind of keep it down but it was just such a good the, the, oh, the no. conversation just that went was, and it was wonderful so i mean when it's on a roll you let it roll that's true exactly <laughs> well she's just such a good storyteller yes. you know yeah yeah some people take a question and talk for a second and she yeah. She's one of those artistic people who can take a question and turn it into a story. Yeah, it's amazing. Go off in any direction. Like the yeah. story, I, I can visualize that tattoo. How <laughs> funny was that? That was awesome. I could imagine her grandfather doing that. That's, and it, I mean, her family's so great. How, how wonderful that all of them are having, you know, such interesting journeys, like with her mom writing and her sister writing with her. And her dad's extraordinary, too. It's just such a, such a oh. cool thing. It's, I mean, meeting them was a real treat. Yeah, so it really going is. back somehow, the, our Friends in Fiction tour has to include San Diego. San Diego, <laughs> for sure. And you know what? She's just such a good person, too. It's, um, it's, it, it's just such a pleasure to be in the company of someone truly good and decent, you know? I, I feel that about you all. So I just. Oh, I do, too. I feel that about you. Exactly. <laughs> I know. On the flip side, last week we had Karen Slaughter on, and. Um, and that was the episode the Washington Post took a <laughs> I know. screenshot of picture. and put it in the, we were in the, for those of you who haven't noticed yet, we were in the Washington Post today about, about what's happening with you were, I wasn't, I wasn't right. there. Your internet wasn't there. Kristen and I were. So, <laughs> the three of us, we had that on. So my eyes are closed. I was going to say, should we show them what our poses were? Because mine was like, okay, this was mine. <laughs> it, was the, it was the first night the fiction started that I had not done my hair. I had another event. Like I was on the road. It was at my parents' house. I had this weird background behind me. I was like, cute. Like your dad has this beautiful, like paneled office, but this whole, all the whole bookcase of your books. Why were you not sitting there? I'm like sitting in this weird place. My hair is all weird. I'm like, <laughs> My eyes are closed, and Karen Slaughter's sitting in a pirate hat. A pirate hat. I mean, and, really? and it didn't include Mary Alice or Kathy. So no, it was like, I mean, of all the pictures, they had to pick that one as the well, one. We were in the Washington Post, so that was, was whatever. My favorite part, though, was that it said courtesy of Friends in Fiction. Like, we had picked that photo out. I know. All right. <laughs> like, we had sent it to them. Well, that's kind of a loose term there. <laughs> exactly. Courtesy. Hey, let's sue. Let's sue. <laughs> no, it was, it was great to be featured. It was just, 
it was just like, of course, like, it, of course that happened to us. Like we were in the Washington Post, but of course, we're in the Washington Post like, and today.com. Yeah. Oh true. my God. And that was because of you. It was a jamming yeah. week for, well, that was because Julie Pinnell, really. Cause she yeah, Julie her. Pinnell, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a jamming week for Friends and Fiction. Yeah. yeah. It's been a busy week and we've all been writing. Like we're still doing it. That's true. So I'm I, a little I, weary. It's exactly. catching up to me. I'm tired. Me too. Yeah, I'm tired. I, I think I think the moral of this story is everyone out there who's joining us, who's a part of this, you guys are just on the right train. We're clearly going places. Yeah. We, <laughs> we, 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 we may look super weird as we're getting there. We may not be the most professional, but we're going places. We're trying. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. All right. Good night. Good night. Have a great night. Thanks, guys. I love you Bye. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Night. You've been listening to the Friends and Fiction Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Friends and Fiction Podcast wherever you listen. And if you're enjoying it, leave a review. You can find the Friends and Fiction authors at www.friendsandfiction.com as well as on the Facebook group page, Friends and Fiction. Come back soon, okay? There are still lots of books, writing tips, interviews, publishing news, and bookstores to chat about. Goodbye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.